Good to see you this morning. And you know, church, we've just um, had a good, good couple of weeks, haven't we? Praise the Lord. And um, it's been good to see just the church being faithful. Everyone just uh, putting in the the work and the labor. And uh, good to see joyfulness too in all of that. That's a good thing. And uh, all all throughout that as well, just been noticing just been a good amount of um, answered prayers too, and uh, good to see Charlize there in the back with, uh, with uh, RJ and Bridget, and praise the Lord uh, for her continued um, just health and recovery, and then also, of course, our conference, and um, I know that everyone was praying for that, and so it was a good, good week last week, wasn't it, church? And so thanks for, for praying there, that's another answer to prayer, been praying for our missionaries, and Know that um, that just saw a message from uh, Paul Anger over there, and just uh, again thanks to those who prayed for him. Just continue to pray. There's, he's still not quite out of the woods yet. Of course, we've been praying for Brother Anger. Good to see him up and about, and uh, praying for our missionaries throughout, and getting some answered prayers there. It's good that that God answers prayers, right, Church? And I'm glad for that. But glad that we can be here this morning, and uh, we're going to read one verse, and we'll turn to few different scriptures this morning, and I know that we've had a busy season as a church. We've had a lot of uh, different things happening, and, and I know the majority of the church has been greatly involved in the preparation of all of that, and, um, and we're going we're gonna to just talk a little bit here about keeping our, our iron sharp. And in verse 10, the Bible says, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength but wisdom is profitable to direct. And I just want to give a thought about this this morning because I think that when, when we've had a busy season and we've been engaging ourselves in spiritual activity over the course of that in, in our labor and in our, in our efforts, whilst we're, we're swinging away at the things that God would have for us to do, we can at times experience a bit of dullness or bluntness in our lives. And I don't know if you've ever really seen a, an axe head up close and seen the, the great skill that, that, uh, uh, that, that someone who knows how to use that thing, the, just the effort and, and just the, really the effortlessness that it has when it's sharp and when it's someone who knows what they're doing. I don't know if you've ever been to the Easter show. And, um, and you've seen the axe chopping competition. And, you know, I think in our day, that's a bit of a novelty, isn't it? We look at that and we look at those big blokes and we're going to look at them swing that axe. And uh, we see them just within seconds chop, uh, chop through a, a big log. And we're amazed by that. And, and we look at that as a bit of a novelty, don't we? But if you recognize that back in the Bible days, it wasn't so much a novelty, it was a needful skill. Uh, to be able to build things, to be able to, um, to do all of those things that they had. They didn't have the technology that we have today. They had the simple axe. It was a tool that a man had to chop wood, and it was this axe that he had that he had to take care of. It was an important tool. And, um, and you know, many things in our lives, when we're using them over and over again, at times can become uh, not what it needs to be can become blunt or, or it could lack the power that it needs. I was thinking, well, yesterday I was chatting with a, a fellow who was into BMX bikes. Anyone into BMXs here? A couple of you, some of you, raise your hand, I'm wondering if that's true. Um, but he was showing me uh, his old bike, he had a BMX, it was a Harrow 91 model, and I wasn't much of a bike person, I I liked riding bikes, but I didn't know they, they, they had specific things. That he was showing me about this, this bike, and he was saying, you know, it's, he, he was discussing this with his wife, and his wife was telling him, you know, you need to chuck that old thing out. Um, and any, any of our men here have any things in the shed, and they're like, your wife's like, chuck that out already. And you're like, well, I can fix it, you know. I'm raising my hand because I have some of those too, but uh, he had a BMX Harrow 91 bike, and he was saying, that it was worth something, and, and his wife was saying, just chuck it out, that it's just a piece of junk. And, and he, he started to Google, and he, fair enough, he showed me some of those bikes, and 
what was around about $750 at, at purchase back in the day is now some of it was fetching $4,000. And so he was showing me all the different variations, some of the original stickers and all of that, and he was really into it. I didn't even know that there was a, there was a website for BMX fans collectors, right? And so he was showing me all of these and how, how people had taken care of their bikes. And, and he showed me and he goes, well, I wish I took care of my bike. It'd be worth something now. But over the course of time, he didn't maintain it. He didn't, he didn't keep the chains greased. He, he didn't keep the, 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 all of the chrome parts polished. And over the course of time, he had let it go to waste. And what could have been a, a, a still a, a very good bike that was worth something really wasn't worth much anymore. Same bike, it just wasn't maintained the way it should have been. And many times when we go through repetition of service, repetition of spiritual activity, we can be like that axe or like that, that bike that I was mentioning, and we could go to a place where we're not as effective as we could be. And it's true that over time, anything that is used repetitively can become dull and require extra uh, extra effort or extra care to be used again. And I have no doubt if, as I look at that, that bike, the frame was still good, the seats and all of that was still there. If he took a bit of time to grease the, the chains and to polish the chrome parts and to perhaps repaint some of, those, uh, some of the, the, the pieces there and get the stickers back on there that looked just, just like it was brand new, but it takes some effort. But the argument is this, it, it should never have gotten to that place. And at times, I think in our own lives, when we go through uh, the, the motions at times of the Christian life, if we go through and we understand what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to, uh, we're supposed to uh, walk with God, we're supposed to read our Bible, we're supposed to pray, all of those things can become dull. And, and when we, we get to a point, and we don't sometimes even realize it, we become blunt. We become dull. We become ineffective. And this is the picture that the the, the preacher here was giving giving in Ecclesiastes. He was looking at a what would have been a standard situation of the day, just a, a scenery, some something they would have seen an axeman with his axe chopping away, and and he observed something about that that person. He was putting way more effort than he should have been. Why? Because his edge was blunt. He had lost his edge. He had lost his sharpness, and because of that, he'd become ineffective in what he was doing. And in my observation of my own life and in the life at times of other believers, we can go through and, and we can be faithful in, in those things, but sometimes some people make it harder than what it should be. You know, they're putting in all the effort with not as much return, and, 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 and it's not for the lack of trying or for the lack of doing all those, but perhaps... They've lost their edge, they've lost their sharpness, and they've become ineffective in the work for God. And I'm just warning because we've had a busy season of service. And we certainly, we've, we've seen a good, a good faithfulness from the church in serving and inviting and in laboring and getting all of those things in place like they should be. We've prayed and all of that. And in, the danger there is this. Although we've seen great fruit and we've seen great things happen, is that in the repetition of it and in the just the constant usage and busyness of it, we can lose our edge. We can lose the sharpness that we should have in regard to uh, our work for God. If we're not careful, all that work can cause us to be blunt and ineffective in our labor for the Lord. And you see, again, there's no wisdom in using a blunt axe. You'll end up using greater effort than required to do the work. You're more likely than to hurt yourself or break down or just lose any kind of desire through tiredness and weariness that you ought to have for the Lord. That, that, that resource that God gave you, perhaps your health, perhaps your, your, your joy. All of those things can diminish and lose their edge and lose our sharpness and render us ineffective in our service for God if we don't heed the warning that is given us here in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. 
And I want to I um, encourage you this morning about that because I just know for myself and I know for you as a church, we've had a busy season. And all of you, many of you have labored to, to a, a, an extended degree. You've bore some burdens. You, you, you took the time. You took extra time. And you, in fact, all of that activity was good and it was profitable. But there can be a danger in that. In that you lose your effectiveness, you've lost your sharpness for the Lord. And so we're going to learn some lessons that, Lord willing, this morning will help us uh, to continue to be effective in our labor for God. Uh, help us to just continue on so that we don't lose our sharpness uh, for the Lord. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we get into the Word this morning. Father God, we just want to thank You again, Lord, for all that You've accomplished uh, through us. And I know, Lord, that Lord, it's been a, a massive effort at times, Lord, to, to be able to see and do those things that you've allowed us to in the last couple of weeks and months. And yet, Lord, we know that the year's not over, that we're still going to continue, and there's still more people to be won. There's still more uh, work to do. There's still greater effort to exert, Lord, by your grace and by your enabling. But Father, I believe that, Lord, you're teaching us here a lesson that will help us, Lord, in the long term, help us, Lord, to just continue on so that we can be effective ministers for you. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord, just to, to think, to, to allow your spirit to examine our own hearts so that, Lord, if this is the case, that we just take the time and, and again, come to you for some sharpening, for some main, maintaining. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, this morning in that vein. Pray that you encourage those perhaps who are going through this already, that you would just do a work in our lives. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. See, the, the, at times I, I speak to those who are busy in ministry, and a lot of times they, they feel like they're going just through the motions. They're just going over and over again. They're, just, they're, they're feeling blunt or, or dull. They've lost their sharpness. And, and here's what I say. Uh, to those who are going through that, you know, we're not in it for the short term, we're in it for the long term. And it's amazing to me, you, you watch some, some things that, um, on YouTube about sharpening axes, and it's amazing some of those that are fully rusted, some axe heads, uh, just with the person who knows what they're doing, can, can fully restore that to the, to the point where it was just as effective as what it used to be. I'm talking about axes that were buried underground, uh, just had rusted over totally, and with with the right amount of care, and with the right with the, in the, in the hands of a skillful person, that axe head is able to be used again just as effectively. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling the pinch. You're feeling that sense of weariness in well doing. Maybe you're 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 feeling like there's not that great. Uh, 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 amount of, of power in your life, and I know I've been there in the past, and, and at times, even in recognizing this week, I've been there as well. But, but understand this, that, that God doesn't want you there. He wants you to be an effective minister. He, he wants, he, our God is, a, is one who is looking at the long term. He never just looks at us at a short term. He wants us to continue on. And so he gives us this warning in the, in the scriptures about how we ought to handle that as we think about the axe, uh, keeping our iron sharp. And firstly, I want to bring up this, this point. Really, our effectiveness has much to do with our ability to be renewed. It's all about renewal. See, see the iron being made sharp is really, it's really a, an effort to bring it back to its most original and most optimal condition. It's not so much that that, that axe will... will um, be just new again, but it can be renewed again. It, it can come to a place where it's sharp so that it can be used for what its purpose is for. It's a, it's a process of renewal. And here the idea of wetting the blade, it's really a process of cleaning and sharpening it to a condition that it is effective as it was prior to the work. And if you think about that in the Christian life, you know, when we Go through and, and God might use you to be the, uh, an axe in His hands that, that is used for, uh, for uh, breaking down some strongholds. Maybe you've been 
in a heavy season of counseling others. You've been bearing burdens for others. Maybe you've, God has used you to labor in the several events that we've had in the last couple of months and weeks, and you've been uh, key to, to making sure all of those things have been taken care of. And, and God has used you in His hand to be that axe head to chop through those lists. Maybe you've just been in the, in the trenches, in the warfare of prayer and all of that, and God has used you as a mighty war axe. And you've just gone through and, and you've just labored in the battle for the Lord. And you understand that when you use that axe head for any of those purposes, it's going to get some muck and mire. It's going to get through. And, and just as, as, uh, as, an, as an axe head chops through wood, some, some splinters might cause some dings around that, that axe head. You might feel a bit weary and damaged. And there is that, isn't there, in the, in the Christian life? There is that when we're, we're actually laboring for the Lord. There are those times where we go through and we're a little dinged up. We're a little dented. We're a little um, weary because of the work. And at this point, we need to ask ourselves then, how do we then become renewed? If our effectiveness is really linked to that renewal process and that renewing that we need from, uh, from the Lord, then how do, we, how do we become renewed? How are we renewed daily? And really... The, the Bible answers that for us. See, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, For which cause, notice this, we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And he understood the weariness of it physically, but he understood that inwardly in his spirit, he was, be, he was able to be renewed. And what he was saying was he went through all of these things. And if you know the, the life of the Apostle Paul, he went through great tribulations. He went through times where he was being chased by those who were enemies of the faith. He went through times where even those that were of the church were a burden to him, were questioning his very apostleship, were questioning some of the things that he was teaching. He was one that was constantly being burdened. In fact, he said about himself, the more I love thee, the less I be loved. And so you understand, Paul wasn't like just sitting on the sideline. He wasn't an unused tool that was just going to waste. No, he was a mighty axe in the hand of God, wasn't he? And he was being used to, to do all manner of things for God in his calling. And yet he understood that he had to be renewed daily. He, he understood that there was a way for him to be able not to faint. And, and I want to exhort you believers uh, you know, God's desire for each and every one of us is that we don't faint. We, we, we need to press on for His cause. And to be able to do that, part of that effectiveness that we can have is to the, our ability to be renewed. He says, for which cause we faint not. I think about uh, the passage in Matthew chapter 11 about resting in Him. And it's interesting to me that He, he invites those, not those who are already that, that are on the sideline. He says, Come ye all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't just give a general call. He called those who were being used by Him. He called those who, in effect of the usage and the effect of you being used for the purposes of God, all that labor and are heavy laden, says, those are the ones that I will give rest to. Those are the ones that in their weariness, they can come to me for some renewal. And, and, and make no doubt about it this morning, church, you can come to God for some renewal. You know, at the end of the day, when you've bore those burdens, when you've uh, suffered some disappointment in ministry, and you've labored, and at times even gone through the muck and mire of doing the work of God, then at times you need to resort to God for some renewal. You need to go to the one who offers that rest to you who are laboring and are heavy laden. And here the Bible gives us a couple of things. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, look at, look at verse 17. And, and we'll read down a little bit here in the passage. He says in verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And so, you know, this passage, he, he goes through and he talks about what the church is and the, the role of those who are pastors and teachers. And he talks about how we ought to, we ought to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. He goes through and, and talks about our, our, what, what humility is needful in regard to keeping the unity in the church. He, he talks about how we are to be compacted together. And we're supposed to be um, uh, growing in love. We're supposed to be growing in our measurement to Christ. And then he goes on and he talks about this, how, how we ought to walk a certain way. And uh, he says, Having the understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So he's speaking about those who are walking as the Gentiles walked. Then he says this, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. And notice what he says, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So he's saying here that the, the way to renew is to put off the old life and to put on the new life. So he's to walk in righteousness and holiness. And you know, sometimes we take for granted that when we're serving God, that, that, that suddenly sin and all of those things of the old life are no longer in effect in our lives. But the reality is this, even as we're serving God, we still have to contend with the old life. We still have to contend with those parts of our nature that perishes, those parts of our nature that is corrupt, that old nature that is still very much warring with the new nature. And he's saying to be renewed is this, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Notice then he says, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Saying, put that on. Recognize again who you are in Christ, that you are indeed uh, given righteousness and you are called to holiness. And, and part of the repair work at times, even, even through the, the, the service that we offer to the Lord, the labor that we offer to Him, is to again put on the new man. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To, to understand who you are in Christ, that you're no longer that. And, and you know, when we're most prone at times to go back to the old life is when we're physically weary and we're just been laboring. There's a temptation to look at that and go, is it worth it? There's a temptation to, then to uh, feel at times in our flesh that sense of, of going back. And yet he's saying, put on and... and, and he says, renew, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, put on the new man. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember that you're created in righteousness and holiness in Christ Jesus. But then notice here Colossians chapter 3. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And notice verse 9. And again, in the context, he, he talks about how we walked sometime in these things. So again, the, the contrast between the former and, the, and who we are now in Christ. He says, lie not one to another, verse 9, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we're renewed also in, in the thought of who he is. As we meditate on who we are in Christ, we ought to meditate on who He is. Who He is. How, how uh, our knowledge of Him, who the nature and character of our Lord Jesus Christ, how He's the one that enables us. He's the one that gives grace. He's the one that gives the, the course to run. He's the one that allows us and enables us to be in the work in the first place. 
He's renewed us in that way. And he says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice what he says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Then he says, put on therefore, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And then notice this is interesting, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, forgave you, so also do ye. And, and what he's recognizing here is part of that renewal process is, is how we are in our relationship with each other. He's saying because you've you're been renewed in me, because of who you are now in Christ, then, then you need to forbear one another. And you know, I was thinking about this this week. You know, we've, we've had a lot of time together. And that's a good thing, isn't it, church? It's a good thing to be together. But sometimes, because we're so together, there's times where we sort of step on each other's toes. There's times where, because in our weariness, sometimes we, we're not as guarded with what we say. We say things that are maybe insensitive. We say things that might require the forgiveness of another. And in that moment, we need to understand that part of us being renewed or getting our sharpness and our effectiveness back in this way, is that we just forgive each other. That as we recognize who Christ is, the one who forgave us, we forgive one another. We, part of that repair and renewal process is that we just recognize that at times, we're going to need to just recognize that in all of that, we need to have our relationships right with one another. In our busyness, and, and, and you know, maybe that wasn't the case for you, but I'm sure one of the ways that, that God uh, warns us that Satan come, enters in is, is when he takes advantage, is when we have ought with each other. When, when we've left some things unforgiven. And, and there's, there's no quicker way to lose effectiveness in the work of the Lord than when we're at each other's throats. And yet he's reminding us here, part of that renewing is recognizing that when we have ought with each other, that, you know, we ought to forgive as Christ forgave. And there's no, there's no condition there he's given. There's no, there's no exception. There, there's just a, an affirmative there. And so our effectiveness has much to do with our ability to be renewed. And, and I wonder if we're hindered in that way. I wonder if we're hindered in that way of our forgiveness to each other. I wonder if we're hindered in that way that we're not we're not coming to a place of recognizing who Christ is and who we are in Christ. That's part of renewing, resting in Him. And so our effectiveness has much to do with our ability to be renewed. Secondly, notice here again, go back to, go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. So if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge. So that's that process of renewal, getting it back to an effective and... and um, a place where it's, it's again at its optimal. And part of that, as we studied right there, is that renewal process of, of being renewed in a, the spirit of our mind in Christ, who we are in Christ, who He is, and, and then our relationship with others. But then secondly, notice here this process of wetting. He says there, and He do not wet the edge. And, and if you notice there, that's a different spelling, W-H-E-T, wet. And what that is, the, the, really, our effectiveness, it's this process of sharpening. And really, our effectiveness, here's the second point, has something to do with what shapes us. See, part of wetting the iron of your axe is having a good whetstone. It's that stone that, that you, you grind the, the iron against over and over again. And that whetstone, you, you, you keep, it, keep, uh, keep it wet, you keep it moist, but it's, it's got enough grit so that it shapes that axe head. It shapes it, and you work over and over again, and you, you, you line that axe head up against that stone. A whetstone is simply a sedimentary rock that is used to grind the axe head against. Some of you have one in your home. It's, you use it to sharpen your knives. 
right? Hopefully just for cooking, all right? But you, you use it to, to sharpen those knives, keep it sharp. And the stone is kept wet during the process. And it, what it does, it removes any dense dirt and inconsistencies in the blade and the iron. Just keeps it nice and straight, nice and, uh, nice and, and, and sharp. And, and so because of that, part of our effectiveness then is this question, what or who is sharpening you? See, it's, is it the, are you being sharpened by the Lord, by the rock? Are you, are you being sharpened by like-minded Christians? See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 92, 15, to show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. On, on Wednesday night, we've gone back to our series on who God is. And we covered this idea of God is upright. And that, that, that word upright simply means perfectly straight. Means that, that there's, no, there's, no, there's no inconsistency. There's no, there's no corruption in it. No, no, it's perfectly straight. And it's got the idea of a plumb line that you measure something against to make sure it's absolutely straight. It's got the idea of a level where you, you put that spirit level on something to make sure that that, that picture on the wall or, or that wall itself is straight. And, and that's very important in building, isn't it? That everything is square. And so all of that, all of that is, is that picture of being upright. And the Lord here is upright. But notice what He's likened to. He is my rock. And so the idea of a whetstone, and a whetstone, if you notice it, the whetstone needs to be straight. As you, as, you, as you grind the edge against it, any kind of inconsistencies in that whetstone gets transferred over to the blade that you have. And so that, that whetstone is very important that you get a whetstone that's straight so that your edge is straight. Does that make sense? And so because of that, we look at our God who is upright. He's perfectly straight. He's, there's no unrighteousness in Him. And if we're going to continue to have effectiveness, then we need to be sharpened by the Lord. We need to look at the Lord, not, that, not our circumstances in life, not even at times those that we, uh, we hold up in high regard as people. See, the Bible tells us that it's, it's important to understand that the Lord is upright. And if you were to look at someone and you looked at, at something to sharpen you, you're going to need to look at the Lord. You're going to need to look at Him as your whetstone. See, the Bible tells us in Psalm 11 verse 7, For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, His countenance doth behold the upright. You understand God looks out and He sees our condition. He knows our, uh, uh, the very condition of our heart today, whether we're sharp or we're we're, we're blunt or uh, we've lost our effectiveness. He sees that, but He looks and he, see, he looks for those that are upright. He looks at those and He wants us to be upright is the implication here. The Bible tells us in Psalm 25 verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord. Notice this, Therefore will He teach sinners in the way. And, and church, listen, let's, let's not be forgetful this morning about the fact that there's times where we can become misaligned to God's uprightness and God's character and nature. Sometimes we take for granted that, that you know, we're going the right path and yet God is trying to lead us the right way, the perfect way. The Lord, our rock, is upright. He's trying to keep our edge sharp. And He's trying to keep it perfectly straight and, and He will sharpen us for the work. And, and listen, many times we go to other measures, as we spoke about on, on Wednesday night. And we look at other standards of measure to be able to then to look at uh, us in comparison. And, and sometimes that's really just a false measure. We look at that and we compare ourselves to our neighbors and we go, well, we're doing a little better than them. We can look at the person next to us, maybe your own spouse. And you can look at them and you go, well, I'm doing a little bit better than them. And if we're not careful, we can start to compare ourselves to someone that's not upright at all. Not as upright as God Himself. And we understand that God, that, that God allows people, and we'll look at that in a little bit, 
But when it comes down to it, if we want to keep our effectiveness, we need to line ourselves up and let God shape us. Let Him shape us. And maybe in the process of laboring for Him in, your, in just that, that sometimes even monotonous going through the motions of, of working and laboring and trying to live for God. We, we can at times get ideas and get maybe even uh, just, just ideas and, and, and philosophies that get into our minds that misalign us, misdirect us, will then suddenly start to uh, curve our blade so that it's ineffective for God. And we need to get back to God. We need to get back to who He is. We need to get back to His uprightness and allow Him to correct us in that way because the Lord is upright. But then I believe this, that God also uses others. In Proverbs 27, 17, the Bible tells us, iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And so it's also important to note, though, that God uses people. But notice there specifically says, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I have a saying that I often say, and it's probably not original to me, but I tell our young people this, and it's good for us to tell our, ourselves this. Your friend will determine your end. Who you're around is who you will be. Show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. And many times we have allowed, uh, we have allowed maybe wrong friendships, maybe ungodly friendships to come into our lives that have caused us to become dull and blunt in the things of God. We, we've just allowed them to misshape us, to, to misdirect our priorities, and, and we've allowed them the, those kind of influences in our lives that have rendered us ineffective for the work of God. But, you know, let's not forget and let's not miss the positive side of this because iron does sharpen iron. So imagine the effectiveness of good friends. Imagine the effectiveness of those who are godly, who are upright, or are living in a, in a manner that is like God, godly. You're, you're working and you're laboring and you're trying to be like Christ, which, by the way, is God's end in our, uh, for us, each and every one of us believers. And so, are you around those that are shaping you the right way? That are godly? I think that's why the Bible calls us to, at times... During the week, come together. And by the way, today's the day that we do that. Hebrews 10.25, to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And part of that sharpening process is that we just get around other believers who the Bible tells us will provoke us to love and to good works. We're meant to come together. We need to have a mentality, church, that, that when we come here, and when we come together, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Wednesday or other scheduled times, it's a time where we get to provoke each other, sharpen each other for the work that God has called us to do. We're meant to come here with, a, with godliness in heart, in mind, and in action. And, and that's why it's not just about turning up. It's about preparing to be together. I hope you prayed this morning. I hope you took some time and you allowed the Spirit of God to, to speak to your heart prior to you coming in here so that you yourself, you're upright like God is upright. That, that you've allowed Him to, to chip away at those inconsistencies through the week and you've allowed Him to bring you to a place where you could be used as a, as a sharpening tool for someone else. We're to provoke each other into love and to good works. You know, friendship is, is something that we, is underrated today. I believe that, that one, of the, one of the greatest blessings in my life has been God allowing good friendships that have been a good influence in my life. I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad that the local church was a big part of that. I'm so glad that uh, over the course of time, as I look back now, that God allowed some divine inter. inter um, intersections where I was able to run into someone who was an influence in my life that was a godly influence in my life because they were godly. And, and Paul said this, he said that, that you ought to follow me as I follow Christ. 
And you know, I hope that we as parents even were that kind of relationship for our children. That we sharpen our children so that they're effective for the work of God. But Spurgeon said this about friendship. Friendship is one of the sweetest joys of life. Many might have failed beneath the bitterness of their trial had they not found a friend. I was just thinking about that this this week, how, how at times when I was feeling the pressure, times when I didn't really know what to do and I had been praying, been seeking the Lord, that God in His wisdom brought the right friend along. But we ought to be guided because, again, we need to understand we need to be around the right kind of people. We need to allow the right people to sharpen us. And we have warning in Scripture, don't we? Amnon had a friend, didn't he? And that led him astray. And so, again, we need to be wise to ascertain, to recognize when someone is heading the wrong way but friends can give you the guiding line to freedom, but wrong friends can bring you to a place of deformity. And we need to take God in that, but that's part of what shapes us, who shapes us. And so I want to encourage you, be faithful. Be faithful to walk with God. Be faithful to allow yourself to be sharpened by Him so that you can be someone who can sharpen others for the glory of God. All right, so, so our effectiveness has something to do with that, what shapes us. And I wonder if you've taken some time, you know, this week to be around God, to allow Him to sharpen you that way. I wonder if you've been around people um, who've been a positive influence in your life, not, not people who, you know, you sat around and you gossiped all day with, who were negative and critical and were faithless and unbelieving. I hope you weren't around those kind of people because I tell you what, we'll have a lot of deformed Christians. I hope you've gone around people who, are, who, who love God. People who, when you were around, you wanted, to, you wanted to just draw closer to God like they were drawn closer to God. I hope that you've fellowshiped with those that have walked with God this week and have been able to encourage you in the Word of God, not make up opinions about whatever they think. No, they've been sharpened by the Word of God. They've been sharpened in the things of God. And so they're able to sharpen you. And that's part of the effectiveness process. And you get around those who love God, you know, pretty soon you'll start to understand you you ought to love God too. And we we ought to get around. And that's why Sunday is so important. That's why we ought to be here as much as we can. You know why? We live in a time where it's too easy to get blunt and dull because of the world that we live in because of the just the just the the things that we have to go through each each and every day and so our effectiveness has something to do with our with what shapes us and so i hope that you've gotten around the right influences this week but then lastly and really quickly really our effectiveness is influenced by our usage over growth proportion and here's what i mean by that see the longer and more the axe is being used, the greater the need to maintain and sharpen it. And I, I hope that you're the kind of person here who prays that God will use you more. Are you that person this morning? I hope you are. I hope you're not just a lazy so-and-so who'll just sit there every Sunday. I hope that you're just not there thinking, well, I'm just already being greatly used and that's all I can do. Listen. I just want to be greatly used of God. I just want God to use me in a greater way. And I hope that you desire that this morning. I hope you're not asleep this morning. I hope you get excited about the notion that God can use you and God can use you for more. There's people that still need to be one. There's still people that still need to be cared for and loved. And God is still calling those perhaps, maybe even in this room. And sometimes because of that, though, because we're being used more, there's a need for us to grow more. There's a need for us to be sharpened more. And, you know, there's that old adage, tired men rule the world. There's that saying, if you want something done, find a busy man to do it. And I think those are all true. Those adages are true. We, 
we got to recognize that, but we must also recognize that usage over time must be in proportion to growth over time. You see, if you expect God and you ask God to use you more, then you're going to need to then engage in more times of, of maintenance and growth in your own life. I think about David. You know, David was greatly used of God. And, and often when we think of David, we think of him killing Goliath, don't we? We think of him being the king and all of that. But we understand that God plucked him out of the sheep coat so that he can oversee his nation. And what did, what did David do? He, he mastered certain skills. And one of those skills was to sling stones. He, he, he mastered that. And in fact, he used that to kill Goliath. God enabled him. But you know what he did first was he killed the lion and the bear. So you can imagine David, this young shepherd boy, and at first thinking that this little sling was a toy. Maybe he was aiming at uh, some things, maybe a tree, maybe a bush. And then suddenly he became skillful over time and he grew in that. And then God sent some challenges, the lion and the bear. And then later on he would see that skill put to use as he grew in it to kill Goliath. But you know, he would never have gotten to Goliath if he didn't grow in those smaller things, quote-unquote. And, you know, usage over time must equal growth over time. And, and, you know, all of us here this morning, I hope that, I just pray as your pastor, I hope that we ask that God would use us for more. Boy, we're a tired bunch this morning. Some of you just, I don't want to be used. What do you mean? Listen, God is worthy. God is worthy. And I, I want to be used more for God. I don't want to just cross my arms there and think that, oh, this is, I've arrived. Listen, the, even Paul said he, he, didn't, he had not apprehended. He kept pressing forward. And I, and I hope that we have a mentality that as God uses us more, then we must grow more. And if we don't, then here's, here's what's going to happen. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And look at verse 38. And notice, notice this familiar story. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And I think, I think you're familiar with the story. You have this contrast between Mary and Martha. Martha, who was cumbered about with much serving, who was really... If you look at the, the context of this, it was her household. It was her responsibility to look after guests. She was showing hospitality. It wasn't like she was doing a bad thing. She was doing a good thing. But you know what was, what's interesting is we see Mary in contrast, who in Martha's estimation was wasting her time, but she was doing the thing that was most needful. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was there being sharpened by the Lord and and, and it's interesting to me that as you look at the story progress of Mary and Martha, that really Martha starts to diminish over time, but Mary grows over time. You know, later on that, that their brother Lazarus dies in John chapter 11. We see again Martha rushing off to seek for Jesus. And uh, you know what she says then, that, that he needs to hurry along before her brother dies, but then her brother dies, Lazarus dies. And Mary comes rushing out and uh, says to the Lord, if you'd been here. And, and so then, then you know, the, the great miracle, right? Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. What a great miracle. Now, following that story, look at John chapter 12. Look at John chapter 12. So this is the same family here, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And notice now, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Lazarus, who no doubt would have, would have been 
would have would have been heard about and would have been talked about because of this great miracle that had happened. And notice verse 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Notice verse 2, There they made him a supper. And notice again, Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And then notice Mary, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Notice the the progression over time. Martha was still serving like she did and she was doing that. That's fine. Lazarus was with them. He was sitting at the table where Jesus was. But then here Mary. Mary who right there when we read in Luke 10, she was sitting at his feet. But now she gave this great sacrifice of ointment and spikenard. And then with her hair, with her tears, was wiping Jesus' feet. Notice that progression over time. See, Martha kept serving but stopped growing. Mary kept growing and ultimately her service was sacrifice. It grew. And, and sometimes when we, we're, we're in the busyness of serving, we can forget to grow. We can just do what we've always done. We can just sort of just, you know, become proficient at it. But how effective are we? Because again, can I tell you, God's not interested just in the short term. God's interested in those who will follow Him long term. And for that to happen you're going to need to grow. You're going to need to take some time of growth. You're going to need to sit at Jesus' feet. You're going to need to ask Him for some refreshing and some renewal. You need to grow in your relationship with Christ. You're going to need to grow in those areas of expertise, per se, in the things that you're doing for God. And really, have you continued to be busy? But have you stopped growing? You know, you're just doing the same things. You're, that, that fervor that you once had for the Word of God, well, now it's your 50th time reading it. Mm. You know, you used to be the first one to sign up for that thing, but now, well, it's just expected of you, so you're just going to be there. And you've lost that fervor. You know what? That indicates that your effectiveness hasn't, it hasn't come in the proportion of your growth. You've stopped growing and you've kept busy. And maybe in, in saying this, that you're, you want God to use you in a greater way, maybe it's a new thing that God's calling you to. Maybe God's calling you to a new path or a new calling. And, and, you know, part of that is just seeking for God. And I love the attitude of Moses who, in Exodus chapter uh, 33, uh, asked for the presence of God. And, and God says, I'll go with you. And then he says this, in verse 15, and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. He says, if you're, if you're not going to go with me, if you're not going to empower me, if you're not going to enable me, if you're not going to sharpen me, if you're not going to cause me to be effective, if you're not going to cause me to grow for this, then don't let me go at all. And, and listen, um, you know, I know some of you would seek that God would bring you to a a a greater level of service that God might bring you to a place because of your faithfulness and your labor for Him where you might lead, where you might do other things for God's glory. But listen, it might be time where you just desired and asked for some growth and for God to go with you again. I remember the time when I took the pastorate and, you know, I had served you. 11, 12 years in, in the, really the position of associate, youth pastor, other things that I was able to do by God's enabling. And, and my thought was, well, I'll come in and I've got this calling and I'm going to come into the pastor. But you know, I understood that there was a greater burden there. And it meant that my usage over time needed to equal my growth over time. And I've not been coy to say this. I, I pray that you pray. That, you, that, that God would help me grow. I've not arrived. Some of you think you have. I've not arrived. 
I'm not at a place where I've stopped. I don't want to come to a place where I've stopped growing. I don't want to come to a place where, well, I'm just going to do it because I've, that's what I, I go to do. I need to keep growing. And listen, I hope that you want to keep growing. I hope that you think that, that you know, you've gotten this opportunity, you've gotten this, this, um, this ability that God has given you to serve. I hope that, that as you seek for God to use you more, and maybe God has used you more, that proportion over time, your growth is equal to that or more. Have you taken the time to pause and just be sharpened once again to grow? Maybe in your skill or service for Him. You know, many times it might even require you taking a little bit of time out. I love the, I love the example of Jesus where, by the way, Jesus, really He was the fulfillment of the Sabbath, but even Him, He says in Mark, 631, he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They were so busy they couldn't eat. You ever been that busy? They were busy for Christ. In fact, they were doing that for Christ. They were with Christ. But you know, even the Lord Jesus said this. He said, you know, you need to come away apart. You need to rest a little bit. And you know what happened? They were with Christ. They were, they were with Christ. And, and you know, the calling that He gave these apostles was to be with Him. And so even in the resting, they were with Him. You know, I, I don't subscribe to this idea that when you go on holiday, you don't go to church. It's, what, who, who gave you that idea? It wasn't the Bible. You, you, ought, to, you ought to go to church. You ought to find the, the, the local church that's near you. If you can't find one, you ought to have a service right there. But listen, you ought to, you ought to uh, have that time with the Lord. I don't subscribe to this idea that, that suddenly you're on holiday and you, and you ought to take some time away like that. But you go on holiday and then you stop reading your Bible for the week. You don't pray like you used to. You know, in fact, it ought to be when you go on holiday that, that you ought to have a grow in your fervency for God. You ought to just rest in Him that way. And you ought to desire that. You know, I think that sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by, by focusing on our, on our physical needs so much that we neglect to our hurt our spiritual need. And we, we ought to have that mentality. And when we go on holiday, when we come apart and, and before we come apart, we ought, to, we ought to come and with the mentality, Lord, speak to me more. Lord, help me to spend more time with you. You know, one of my favorite things in holidays is just to, for the kids at times to sleep in so I could go out early and go for a walk. Just go for a walk, just be with the Lord and just to pray and just to allow Him to minister into my heart and like I can't do in the normal busyness of life. And at times, we need those times. And listen, we need to grow. That's part of our growing process. Our usage over time means our growth over time needs to equal or surpass. And maybe you take some time out to study a certain thing. Maybe you've taken a time in the day where you've just purposed that that'll be the time you're growing in that area. Maybe you've taken some time to, to study out a, a portion of Scripture, maybe a certain book, maybe a certain topic in the Word of God. That's sharpening in Him. And I want to encourage you to do that. And I'll, here's what I want to say, church. You know, I think everyone recognizes we're a pretty busy church. You know, I, I was chatting, you know, I, I chat with pastors. And they all tell me we're a busy church. And, you know, I don't really apologize for that because there's much to do for the Lord. But here's what I want to say, too. I don't want a, a church that's burnt out or rusting out. I want a church that's resting in Christ. I want a church that at times in their sensitivity to the Lord, they'll just draw away for a little while to, to get back to that place of sharpness and effectiveness. And I want to say thank you. Many of you, you've labored year in, year out, day in, day out, week in, week out, and no one even knows. But the Lord knows. But can I encourage you? Can, can you just check, just check your effectiveness? Just make sure that you're, you're doing that in the power of Christ. That you've not left behind, you know, because of your proficiency, the need to be effective in the work. And I want to encourage you at those times to, to recognize it and not be, not, not be stubborn like I am at times. 
and just actually take some time to just get back with God, to get back into His Word, to allow His Word to sharpen and clean you and to meditate on Him, to meditate on who you are in Christ and be renewed, be, be effective again. You know, when the, when the iron is blunt, you have to put more strength. You know, I, I, sometimes you watch people who, they just make it look harder than what it needs to be. And sometimes we see that in the Christian life. And at that time, you've got to wonder, how effective are we? Are we going back to that place of renewal? Are we going back to that place of sharpening in the Lord? Are we going back to that place of just growing? Of, as we seek God for more, that we grow. We grow in proportion to the usage that He has for us. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the time. And Lord, I, I don't know, this is perhaps just a, a message that we just need reminding about. I know, Lord, that I needed it this week as I thought about the long season we've had in, in serving. And I'm thankful for that, dear God. I'm thankful that as I look around this room, there are many who are just so faithful. They come in and out, just doing what they need to do for God. Lord, they, they labor. They don't complain. They just continue on. And yet, Lord, at times, I believe, just in my own observation of my own life, we can become re rendered ineffective when we don't pause and stop and allow your spirit and allow your word, allow you to minister to us in, in renewing us in, in the power of your strength. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us this morning as we Think about that to allow you to recognize, to allow your spirit to help us recognize where we need to be with that. And, and Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to Lord to know the know the power there is in resting in you, in in taking the time in our in our day, uh, taking our time in our week, to just be close to you, to allow you to sharpen us, uh, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, not to be blunt axes, but to be sharp and, and mighty in your hands for your usage. And Lord, I do pray that you'd use us more. I do pray, Lord, as we think about the lost condition of man, Lord, the, the community that you've called us to reach, the world that, Lord, in many places has never heard. And, and yet, Lord, here we are in this place, in this time. And you've called us to that work. So I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be used more for your glory. But then in, in proportion to that, dear God, that you would help us to grow in our maturity and our skill, Lord, in our resting in you. And Lord, we need your power. We need your enabling. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play. And we're just going to have a time of invitation. And, and uh, I'm going to ask firstly for those of you here this morning and perhaps... As we think about the Lord Jesus, as He says, Come all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And maybe here you have been laboring in your own effort. And not in any way, but in this way, you're laboring in your own effort for salvation. You know, the Bible tells us that, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You know, your work is not what God looks for. The work's been done for you. The Lord Jesus willingly laid down His life to pay for the penalty of sin in your life, in my life, in the life of everyone that has ever lived. And He's willing to take that burden from you if you would accept Him as your Savior today. And I wonder if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, just pray for me. If I were to die today, I wouldn't know for sure where my sins are forgiven where, whether heaven's my home. Is there anyone here this morning just with an uplifted hand just say, Pastor, pray for me. I wouldn't know. If I were to die today, I wouldn't know for sure. Is there anyone this morning just with an uplifted hand? Anyone here? I don't see any hands. And maybe Christian, you're here this morning as a piano plays and you say, Pastor, there, there have been moments where I've been weary. There have been moments where I felt a little blunt, a little dull, would you just pray for me? Would you just ask that, that the Lord would help me with that? Is there anyone here this morning? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. I see that hand. 
See many hands there. See those hands. Thank you. See those hands. See that hand. Thank you. You can lower them. Thank you. I see that hand. I have no doubt that as we serve God, as we labor, as we just try to live for Him, there are times where we just need to be renewed, to be sharpened. And I want to wonder if you would just make that day, make that time today. And so we're going to stand to our feet, no one looking around, but as a piano plays, if you raise your hand, and you just need time to allow the Lord to minister to you today, maybe get you to the place of, of just renewal this morning. If you raise your hand this morning, I want to invite you to come to this altar. Why don't you take some time to pray? Why don't we just take some time to say, Lord, help me to just continue on for you. I don't want to be ineffective for your work. I want to be used of you. I want to continue on. And so as a piano plays, if you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come. Some are kneeling at their seats. Maybe you would like to come at the altar this morning if you'd come, please.